He literally had parents of teenage girls sign the rights over to him so they could just tour with him and he could bang them out. And he actually sings a song about banging a 13-year-old called Jailbait. But you're going to try to tell me Ted Nugent's not a pedophile. In 1999, an awesome collective of dudes were deposited in Big Sky Country via the Uncle Sam Express, destined for adventures unknown. Faced with living in a maximum security social nightmare and trapped in a land time forgot, these dudes bonded quick, fast, and in a hurry, eventually blasting out onto the garbage can world at large. Today, perpetually searching for their next great adventure, these dudes thrive as ambassadors of awesomeness. You're a fan of laughter and other shenanigans, and you can locate this podcast. Then perhaps you can join us to get a little GCD. Hey, Howdy folks, Double J back here, coming at you live slash recorded from my studio slash spare bedroom, real deep in them foothills of Appalachia, directly from the number one drug overdose death capital of good old America. Uh, that's per capita, of course. Once again, folks of the interwebs, Double J here. I will be your pilot and navigator for this shenanigan-infused journey into the mind of this particular garbage can dude. And for those folks of the interwebs keeping notes, that's spelled with two J's for that double dose of jackassery. Got a real dandy of a pod on deck for you folks today. Great news, back again following a horrific bout of the monkeypox, my dude Grizzle. And I'll tell you what, Johnny, uh, you'd think after the horrific monkeypox that Grizzle here just recovered from, you'd figure he'd be done wrestling with those groundhogs. But, not gonna lie to you, Johnny, first thing Grizzle said to me before we recorded this podcast was... He's back wrestling those groundhogs again. Uh, we got a real dandy of a pod on deck here today, folks. Grizzle and I discuss the topics of controlled opposition. We start things off the right way. Given this here podcast is concerning of conspiracy culture, we discuss one of the hottest topics ever in conspiracy culture, A topic that's been dissected from every direction you'd think possible. And that is the JFK assassination. However, Grizzle and I discussed the elements of controlled opposition. Asking the question, who was Lee Harvey Oswald? Who was this dude and what was he involved in? I believe this question has been asked numerous times and there's numerous theories on the subject. One, for example, is the two Oswalds theory. We discuss a little bit of that today, and I pose the question to Grizzle, perhaps, just maybe, Lee Harvey Oswald was a hereditary member of George Washington's secret society, the Society of the Cincinnati. 
the folks who started good old America and also wrote the Constitution. And uh, let's see here. Grizzle and I also discuss controlled opposition relative to the quote-unquote rock stars. The folks that many, many millions of folks look up to and idolize emulating their favorite rock stars as if these were decisions they're making themselves. One such example that Grizzle and I discussed today is the anti-war rock god of the Vietnam War, one Jim Morrison. Now, it was Jim Morrison's father who literally got America into war with Vietnam. Admiral Morrison was that fellow's name. Jim's dad. Of course, no one knew that at the time. That wasn't uncovered until much, much later. However, Jim Morrison is the man at the front of the anti-war movement as these rock gods and the anti-war movement. I'm doing like quote-unquote rock gods. And Admiral Morrison is literally the dude who started the war in which Jim is the anti-war movement leader. Now, you mean to tell me, Johnny, that Admiral Morrison retires the ship that got good old America into Vietnam, the USS Bonham Richard, Admiral Morrison retires from that ship, and within 24 hours, Jim Morrison dies unexpectedly at the age of 27, with almost no witnesses, and his body was in the ground before it was even announced to the public. You gotta be effing kidding me, Johnny. Last but not least, Grizzle and I also discuss the alleged controlled opposition character one Alex Jones. We discuss the conspiracy theory. Is Bill Hicks Alex Jones? Well, I'm not going to lie to you, Johnny. If he's not Alex Jones, the two of them share a strange, strange number of similarities. Anyhow, folks of the interwebs, left links in the description for the two Oswalds and for the Alex Jones Bill Hicks biz that we discussed today. Plenty of other good resources for the Jim Morrison bit to include individuals such as Dave McGowan's work or even the work of folks like Mark Devlin who is still advancing this theory into the controlled opposition of these quote-unquote rock stars. And folks of the interwebs, uh, thanks again for joining us today to get a little GCD. I'll catch y'all on the flip with that conversation with the monkeypox madman himself, my dude, Grizzle. Wham! Turn the fuck up, we going out tonight I've been waiting all my life Every time I go out, I think I found my wife I can't help but turn down the lights I'm gonna take something down tonight This shit is so hot, that's what it's sounding like Make you wanna fuck around tonight, bitch He held off on uh, putting that out Because he said there wasn't enough information out So who, you think who, wait, who held off when? Stephen King There wasn't enough information when? 71 Get out of here To the public Oh, that's probably true. Is that when he wrote that story? He started it in 71.
Do you keep trying to hand me that? I'm good. I do. I've had to try to hand it to you. I, like I feel like I'm dodging. Dude, I was trying to run away, but there was I couldn't run any further. It was it was pretty. I didn't realize that's when Stephen King started writing that. So he said, and he stopped. He said because there wasn't enough information out there. That's true. And if you think about it, after that's that, totally true. The, the public hadn't even seen the, the uh, Zapruder film. Hadn't well, even came out yet. The Zapruder performance like, is what well, I like to that call had, it. Yeah, but that hadn't even been released yet. Or sure. Hadn't even what was it? It was lied about, I guess already. Oh, well, of course. What's his name had already uh, said stuff about it. There have been so much obfuscation, lies, and details before then, before they actually released the tape, that when folks were, they just released it, folks just bought it. But people now are looking at it with a, with a closer eye, and they're saying, wait a second, this has been fabricated as well. Yeah, that that was, but uh, yeah, he so that's why he waited, but he still ended up saying it was just awesome. What was I just reading the other day, connected to the JFK situation? Dude, I feel like so many lines get drawn back to the that, JFK that, situation. Uh, Ooh, that Australian dude's book? No, 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 no. Um, I believe it's Robert Mueller, former FBI director, current special counsel into the Russian investigation. Robert okay, Mueller. Yeah, yeah. His wife is the granddaughter of Earl Cabell, who was the mayor of Dallas on that day in, in 63, mm-hmm. November of 63. And... His brother, Earl, maybe is it, it's either Earl Cabell was, yeah, he was the mayor, I believe, and Charles Cabell was the assistant director to the CIA that JFK fired in 62. So literally, like, that that's how closely connected Robert Mueller would be to the situation. He married the granddaughter of Jeez. the mayor who changed the route of the JFK motorcade to go in front of the school book depository. <clears throat> Because it was the mayor who changed that route. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, now I I say that I I've never read that 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 small point of fact that the mayor changed the route. I only know that from the guy who gave me a tour of Dealey Plaza. Okay. So when I went, coincidentally enough, I visited Dealey Plaza for the very first time on December fourteenth, two thousand and twelve. What do you, do you know that date to be significant for any reason? December fourteenth. December fourteenth, two thousand and twelve. December 14th, 2012. That's when the alleged shooting of Sandy Hook Elementary School took place. Uh. I was in a Air Force command office in northern Louisiana that morning when that popped off. And I was flying out of Dallas that, that evening. So I drove to Dallas. And on the way to the airport, I went to Dealey Plaza. How far is that a drive from Louisiana? Yeah, maybe three hours. That's not bad. So I said to the, I went to Dealey Plaza. I'm standing on the sidewalk. It's a Friday afternoon. There's really no one there. It's like five o'clock. I had a late flight, like a nine o'clock flight or something. So I had a few hours to burn. And I told I'm standing there on the on the corner, getting ready to walk across the street to the quote unquote assassination museum or whatever they call that, the sixth floor. <laughs> It's, isn't that an aggressive name? They for, just made that whole floor a thing. Huh? Yeah, it's a museum now. The floor of the sixth floor of the school book depository there, and it's just about Oswald shooting Kennedy. It's here's the here's a whole museum dedicated to how Oswald shot Kennedy, and uh, Bill Hicks does a good joke about that. How you can't actually get into the sniper's nest; they have it blocked off. Because if you were able to get into the sniper's nest, you would be like, no fucking way. <laughs> but See, I was just heard something about that the other day. There's people that say that's like that's that's that shot's dang near impossible. And then I hear people go, nah. 
cheesy. Yeah, but that's kind of the point. They get people, folks get wrapped up in those details when I don't think it's even that necessary to get wrapped into details when you have such ridiculous evidence of who Oswald even was when you right. have all these different pictures of Oswald that we're looking at of the two different Oswalds. Right. But out, so I'm I'm crossing the street on the way to the museum. There's no one really else out on the road. It's like five o'clock on a Friday, and this one dude who walks up next to me, waiting to cross the street, says, "You going to the museum, buddy?" And I was this guy in his probably in his sixties, I thought, early sixties, late fifties. I was like, uh, "Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm heading over there. I figured I'd check it out." He goes, "They close at 6 I'm like, "Yep, that's cool. Plenty of time. I just want to do a quick walkthrough." I figured I was going to take 30 minutes in there. <clears throat> He's like, what are you going to do, about 30 minutes in there? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, how about I do this? I'll uh, I'll walk you around the, the entire plaza for 30 minutes before you go walk in there. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I'm a security guard at the museum. i got to drop off this Christmas present to my buddy before he leaves for vacation. I'm not going to see him again before Christmas. But he's like, give me two so minutes. A nice guy? Yeah, exactly. He's like, give me two minutes. I'll walk you around the plaza. I used to give walking tours of the JFK assassination around Dealey Plaza. He goes, I was eight years old or whatever when standing here in Dealey Plaza when I watched the president get murdered. So this is what the guy says to me. Right. So he was there, he says. It's what he says. So he, he proceeds to give me a very extensive walking tour of the entire Dealey Plaza for the next 30 minutes. And it was that dude who told me it was the mayor who changed the route. Mm, okay. I just thought it was very... It was like, uh, like you know, a universal irony or universal joke that I would be planning to go see. I had already planned in advance to go see Dealey Plaza, the the assassination museum, before Sandy Hook occurred. Right. It just happened to be that it was on that day that I had planned. I just think that's universal irony. Yes, wow. Yeah, the whole thing with uh, this two different... What's the different places at the same time? They're saying these Oswald was in different places? Yeah, so basically this dude a few years ago, maybe two decades ago, took the Warren Commission timeline of Oswald biz. Right. The, excuse me, the life and history of Oswald and applied some scrutiny to it. Like a timeline saying like, oh, well... He couldn't have been here and here at these both these times. And here's a picture of the Oswald kid from this time at this school. And here's the other picture of the Oswald kid at this time at this school. And sometimes they're in the same place, the same town. Right. Just like different parts of town. And sometimes they're in different parts of the U.S. Now at the bottom, you have one, in Cal one Marine Oswald in California and one Marine Oswald in Japan at the same time. You can't have that. Can't have that. So I, I believe it's this fella's uh, assertion that the two Oswalds was like a um, like a CIA project, maybe? Some sort of, an, not CIA, maybe military intelligence project? Maybe, uh, you know, Army, Navy, you know, possibly both? Right. I mean, just because he's a Marine doesn't mean the Army intelligence couldn't be involved. I think it's a you know it's an interesting point just the whole facade of the whole scenario you know what I mean like you don't have to get wrapped up in could someone take these shots could they not take these shots is there evidence of wounds from the front shooting from the front does the video show shooting from the front because people still argue about that that even though his back his head clearly goes back into the left and it obviously is uh, 
there's multiple different types of bullets because of the types of wounds that were caused. Right. So folks like to argue about that and get lost in those details when there's clearly some gaping holes in the story, just in the story of who Oswald was in general. Again, his wife was the niece of a KGB general, right? He somehow defects to the Soviet Union in the height of the cold, you know, the, the real onset of the Cold War. And then, you know, when things are really, tensions are tight, you know, they're talking about, you know, nuking people at that time, you know, right. that was the whole Cuba Missile Crisis, etc. You know, during that era. And this dude's going to go to Russia, marry a KGB general's niece, and then three day, he take it takes him three days. He says, oh, I want to go back to the U.S. Three days later, he's got visas for his wife and kid. I mean, that's not... You can't even do that today. For example, when I was in Korea 20 years ago, you weren't, I mean, I don't know what it's like today, but all overseas bases, especially places like Korea that have a large Russian population, right. Russians aren't allowed on base. <laughs> They're not even allowed on base, let alone having U.S. citizenships right. after defecting to Russia, especially, and then bringing his family back. And then, of course, Oswald's got intelligence ties till the day is long, including the fact there's apparently multiple Oswalds. And some of the people that he was in contact with in the different parts when he was in right. uh, Texas and stuff, too. Oh, well, his and his quote-unquote handler, George DeMornshield, who died yeah. the day before he was to be questioned by the House Subcommittee on Assassinations, he had previously written to George H.W. Bush a handwritten, you know, handwritten, hand-signed letter to George H.W. Bush maybe a year or two prior to that event asking for assistance they knew each other when when he had died his little his book of uh you know names his rolodex had george hw bush listed in it this is a wealthy you know tycoon in dallas of course you know they're gonna know each other right but clearly they had intelligence ties now demoran shield was a quote-unquote white russian i believe is what they called him and it was the non-communist russians so he okay. he would have served great purpose to american intelligence being a non-communist Russian who could go do business in Eastern Europe, and you know for the, for the U.S. Who who was this general that um, when he a general maybe that uh, Oswald they said Oswald tried to assassinate before he uh, killed Kennedy? Yeah, 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 he was an army general. Man, he was at his home, right? Right. Yeah. That was, I believe, April of '63. But I, I don't. To be honest with you. I, I remember the evidence connecting him to that event's pretty loose. I just don't remember what it is. And you know what's funny? In that 11-22-63, stuff happens at that um, that part. Because they have him go to uh, find out if Oswald is the one that did that. Right. Because he was all in the, in the book. Uh, he was saying uh, his character was pretty much like, if he is there doing this, then he's definitely the one that kills Kennedy. You know, yeah, but again, I think, I mean, it, it, I've never read it. It just sounds like those projects are like to prove Oswald did it. Oh, but that's the thing. In this book, that something happens to where he doesn't see Oswald there, and he doesn't see who shot anything. Right. He just hears it go off. He, I think he gives chase at somebody at that point, but it was uh, a lot of cool details that I didn't know. That book. 
You know, because he used the, all the real facts. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's a crazy situation. I just, I mean, I just don't. Folks get lost in the details of, you know, milliseconds and gaping wounds of whether or not it was an entrance wound or an exit wound, or you know, there's there's even theories that there's body doubles used for JFK for the photos. You know what I mean? Like that's not even JFK in the photos. Right. And then some folks say that's why they had to kill Officer Tibbet was to get that other body. They looked similar to JFK. Mm. That's what I'm saying. There's so many different. So many different things that you can look at it from so many different ways. I just, I fail to understand how folks look at it and say, Lee Harvey Oswald did this alone. Wasn't it like he wasn't even charged with that while he was alive? He was charged. He was charged for the murder of Officer Tibbet. Yeah, that's, and they asked him about it. And the one uh, thing on the news, the coverage that they had of him, and he had said he didn't know anything about that. He's not been told that at all. Right. Well, so the Warren Commission took, there was three different eyewitness accounts for the murder of Officer Tibbet, and they took the one account that could sound like Lee Harvey Oswald, they discarded the two accounts that weren't remotely about Lee Harvey, didn't look like Lee Harvey Oswald, and one of the accounts, there was two men, so where's the second man? They're just going to charge, you know, Oswald. And the thing that I find most intriguing about the JFK assassination is, once again, if you ask, who is Oswald? You know what I mean? Right. Wh- who was he to be part of some sort of intelligence program? Well, Oswald is the is the descendant of a Civil War general who's the descendant of a army officer, I believe, out of Georgia that fought in Washington's army. Okay. So, in my opinion, Lee Harvey Oswald's a likely candidate to be a member of the Society of the Cincinnati. This, the same society that started this country, who wrote the Constitution, where every now in this is where I think folks of the interwebs get lost. But they're always like, "Oh, he's a Mason. He's you know, et cetera, et cetera." All of these presidents were Masons. Yeah, that's, that's a small handful. Every president has been a member of the Society of Cincinnati. Without, if it's not a hereditary member, which there are hereditary members because it's a knighthood, they're automatically a member by. Becoming the president. Okay. So if you want to look at a secret society that may or may not have power, I would look at the one where every president was a member. And consequently, apparently Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, that whole, that's, it's so, it's so crazy at the small, the small stuff that you can look at, at the, uh, like the Kennedy thing and, and just the Oswald stuff. Right. Seems like that should be enough. For everybody to go, well, let's wait a second here. Well, but, but, but it's, uh, it's weird to me how many people in the world, let alone just this country for our country, have just blind faith to their government. I mean, it's designed that way, so. It's designed from moment one where you're not supposed to question your school teacher. So you don't question a person of authority. So that, that way when you hear authority later... They're like, oh, well, that's authority. They know what they're talking about. Shoot. I mean, it's the same reason why in Common Core right now they don't have fiction. Like, you know, Mikey and and 3J are in their last years of having fiction. Next year they won't have any fiction in their curriculum. Really? There's no more fiction after, I believe, the fifth grade. And that's because the, the architects of Common Core decided that children don't need fiction. 
and here's and they say they don't need it for professional growth. Right. It seems to me to be more of a nefarious purpose. Whereas if you aren't taught what fiction is, then you're not able to identify fiction when someone's falsely telling you a story from a right. point of authority. When they, <laughs> like your government, like your teacher, like politicians. That's crazy. That's common core. Actually, Mikey might, may not have that situation because his school district got yeah, rid of Common Core. They don't do it anymore. 3J's still dealing with it. Yeah, he doesn't do the Common Core stuff. Which they... Uh, I, so I he may be okay, but that's the design of Common Core. But I'm saying that's the design of Common Core, I believe, a- after the fifth grade. No more fiction. They got some new bullshit math so stuff, too. you would just believe that Oswald killed Kennedy because the authority told you that. Despite none of the details comprising that that conclusion, it's amazing, man. I mean, look at the we're look I mean, currently looking at various pictures of Oswald again that the Warren Commission. These are details that the Warren Commission published. Right, they're supposed to be him at the same time, though. In certain state, in certain stages of his life, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like the Warren Commission published report, and then like. The details of his family did not coincide with that report, like statements his brother made. Like some of these pictures you see here of him younger, he's living with his older brother. And his older brother's like, no, we lived here. And the Warren Commission says, no, Oswald was here. (laughs) Like these are some of the gaping discrepancies that caused the man to put together this theory that there was, in fact, two Oswalds. His widow is is now saying, like, no, he didn't do none of this stuff. They pretty much told me, like, hey... You're just going to go with it and disappear. Well, I mean, she's, again, she's from a, a high-up KGB family. Right. And now I think, I, I want to say it's within, like, the like last five, ten years, she came out and was like, nah, he didn't do any of this stuff. I, I mean, I, I, I buy it. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like once enough people that were perpetrating it in her life died off, she was yeah. like, oh, I can talk about this yeah. now. She was super young, too, wasn't she? Oh yeah, like I said, like I, said I, I feel like that was more of an arranged type marriage, just based on the fact that, you know, she had all those family connections to the KGB, and, and she was allowed to come into the U.S. as a on a visa, you know what I mean, to a marine who just defected from the <laughs> airbase in Japan that just happened to be the airbase where the U two plane that just got shot out of the sky in Russia was from. You know what I mean? Like the details of that, just you know, it's too. Too close. Did Oswald give the Russians intel on the U-2 spy plane? Who knows? I don't know that that's ever been proven, to be honest with you, either way. But, you know, he he defects. I think it's like six months later, the U-2 plane gets shot down. You know? I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade at some point. Let's call David Spade not a funny comedian at some point. Some scary moments for customers at a Kansas Home Depot. Police responded to reports of a bomb threat at the store in Wichita. A customer alerted employees. A man inside the bathroom said there was a bomb in the building. Police were able to locate the man responsible for those comments, and that man told police he warned other guests to leave the restroom because he was, quote, uh, fixing to blow it up, but had no intention of causing a panic. man also told police others in the room laughed 
understanding his joke, which I'm just now getting. <laughs> Home Depot says they will not be pressing charges. But I can tell you right now, you asked the producer for me to read that, didn't you? <laughs> to Ethan now, please. No. <laughs> We're going to have to go to a commercial. No, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. Well, he's one of those guys to me that's like when you're just, when he's like on a talk show or he's just talking with somebody, he's funny. Or if he's in a movie with... Yeah, but that's uh, like that's so falsely generated comedy, you know what I mean? Like he's really not fun. They're telling you he's funny, so you're like... I guess he's funny because like, they told me he's funny. I don't know if I've even seen his stand-up. I can't imagine. Does he? It's good. Probably right. He uses a stool at least, right? And he to get up to the microphone. Stupid hot girls, but to get to the mic, but he has to like use a stool to get to the microphone. Have you seen? Uh... <laughs> For me, David Spade is like that little shark that swims along bigger sharks to eat like the the yeah, leftover so scraps. That's what he was with Chris uh... Farley was that big shark. And ever since then, that little shark that is David Spade has been just swimming around lost in Hollywood. Yep. He's been all over the map with the projects he's done, none of which have made any sense, all of which somehow have made him money. I don't understand that aspect. Although, that first Joe Dirt was good. Oh, it was comedy classic. That was good. But, I mean, without, without people like Dennis Miller... You know, and some of the writing behind that, yeah, you know, you're not going to have, you got to have the supporting cast, you got to have... Second one, I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, Sony was calling it in, and so was David Spade, that's what I'm saying, he's all over the map on the projects that he does. But, he's been alright in a few of the, uh... Sandler stuff? Sandler stuff. Yeah, but again, that's Sandler, I think... Oh, I know. He's been with and Rob Schneider, I believe, has admitted on camera that his entire career has been built on Sandler. Oh, and Sandler. he did Cribs for yeah. MTV... <laughs> He called his house the house that Sandler built. Yeah. He's... Not funny. Now his, uh, his daughter's a famous musician. Yeah. And apparently he serves... In my life, serves as a news network. The Deuce Bigelow News Network. <laughs> that's how I... That's how, Well, it's Rob Schneider's Twitter feed. Oh, that's hilarious. That's how I found out that there was a serial killer in Malibu. Because he tweeted, Does no one care about this person killing all these fools in Malibu? You know, something to that effect. Well, I was like... Uh, I was like, say what? Say what, Deuce Bigelow? They're killing fools in Malibu? They were killing people down there by uh, downtown Cincinnati there for a little bit. Well, yeah, those were different killings. These in, these in Malibu, I, don't, I, I tend to believe it was more of a gang dump zone. And that once a white fella got shot there, suddenly it became a problem. Is when really what, Let's be honest about the situation. And I think what he did was... Probably discover some sort of people dumping a body there, and well, like we're you, just gonna go kill you because yeah, you can done. see us, and his because his daughters didn't get killed because they weren't old enough to to report to the police what they had witnessed. Right. That's how I took it. Now, consequently, since these events have occurred, since they identified a number of people had been murdered there, and Rob Schneider threw a fit on Twitter talking about folks getting murdered in Malibu, serial killer style. They did launch an investigation of some regard, I believe. But then the entire area caught fire. Oh, yeah. So I don't so know. I think they're just like, well, the yeah, they're like, well, since it's on fire, then uh, case closed, guys. All right, let's go. It's like the uh, 
the money missing from the Pentagon and then right. 11. Guys, we're missing $2.3 trillion. The next day they're like, not worry about that anymore. We ever got again. way bigger problems here, guys. There's Muslims falling out of the sky. So honestly, actually never, ever bring that up again. <laughs> That's dope. Dude, there's a, there's a little old Asian fellow that was sitting in the Dick Cheney control room that day. And, like, I want to say he was the the transportation secretary for George Bush. I can't remember his name, but his congressional hearings of 9-11 are hilarious. Because he actually thought people were trying to protect things. Uh, yeah. He's like, I don't know what was going on. I mean, uh, he's like, uh, Vice President Cheney disappeared he's like kept coming back in the room yes the order still stands we're asking him should we do these things should we should we implement these protective measures and he's telling us to stand down like this is like this little old asian right. dude like he's clearly alarmed when he's telling congress this and like uh i just that shit cracks me up man i just have to watch that stuff and laugh because like you know it was pretty apparent and no one was really paying attention then though right. you know what i mean i wasn't dick cheney that's a Dude, he shot someone in the face. Oops. That guy scheduled a press conference to apologize to Dick Cheney and his hey, gun. Hey, man, I'm sorry that I'm I ran in front of your bullets. I want to apologize to you, your gun, and your ammunition. Uh, you, you definitely would have hit whatever you were shooting at, so that's my bad. <laughs> I probably owe you for the ammo. Dude, that's a gangster move, though. Yeah. Getting someone to apologize after you shot them in the face. Right. Was Kennedy senator when he uh, let that lady die in a car that he wrecked off into the water? Teddy? Yeah. Uh, wasn't he? He was a member of Congress. He was a, a representative, wasn't he? So he became a senator after that? Afterwards, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, mm, it wasn't that bad. Hey, she Ted. Even, yeah, she wasn't even that cool. She wasn't even that dead, guys. Come on. Yeah. Let's get serious. I could be a senator. Yeah, and they're like, you're right. You're right. You're right, Ted. You're hired. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, after what's his name was Speaker of the House, uh, the kid diddler from Illinois. Uh, can't think of his name right now. Kid diddler from Illinois. Yeah, he's uh, the winner. Uh, no, no, no. That's the kid diddler from New York. Oh yeah. Let's not get our kid diddlers crossed now. Uh, his name's escaping me at the moment. He's really good friends with John Podesta. Yeah, which is weird because John Podesta is the uh, leader of the Democratic Party. This dude was the Speaker of the House for the Republican Party. Very tight for decades. And they was just... I mean, ostensibly they were just diddling kids all around the world. I mean, it sounds like to me. They did some dual diddling, probably. Double diddle at the same time. The fellow whose name I can't come up with at the moment, he got busted not for the kid diddling... What's he got busted for structuring payments to the victims of the kid diddling. So every time you Which take a withdrawal over $10,000 out of a bank account, the, yeah. the bank alerts the FBI. Well, he did that enough times that the FBI decided to go have a conversation with the Which, with the Speaker of the House. Hey, guys, why can I not take $10,000 of my own money out without you telling someone? I agree. I agree. Do you got? Do I got to take uh, five thousand dollars out at a time from different locations, or is that going <laughs> to pop something up? Actually, it will. <laughs> that is called structuring. Taking money out or paying people to avoid that ten thousand dollar limit is actually a crime. If you're if you were to say I owe you twelve grand, I'm going to make four payments of three thousand uh, dollars. Yes, I'll try that. 
And he's back. Um. Anyway, the guy got busted for structuring payments to his victims. And that's what he did prison time for. You know, like maybe maybe two years, maybe 18 months. I would have set it up like automatic bill pay. <laughs> right. I would have been like, oh, it was... Must be all bad bills. Cable. He did his. This is now. These are these victims. He's been paying them for thirty years ostensibly because they're thirty year old. You know, they're victims from 30, 30 years ago. He gets busted, does his jail time, pleads down or whatever have you. Maybe did two years, like I said. Right. Gets out, calls up his victims and says, "Does a real Jared Fogel like move?" Says, "I'm gonna need you know you know that money I gave you guys to because you know I." grossly violated you sexually as children I'm gonna need that money back because everybody knows about it now uh, I'd be like hey man that's not how this works <laughs> right no matter what you did some diddling right you couldn't even you did such a horrible bad like horrible job at everything you, you, you tried to pay us off and you still got caught yeah I can't think of that guy's name man it's really bugging me but at one point in time for like 12 15 years like he was in Congress for like 30 years as a representative. And for like 12, 15 years, he was in charge of the Congressional PAGE program. Those were the juniors and seniors in high school that got private tutors and lived in Congress to serve as aides to the congressmen. Private tutors? Private tutors serving as aides. Now, there was a great amount of diddling. Serving I can think of AIDS, it. AIDS, uh, syphilis. Dude, I can think of at least four different occasions between 1980 and 2000 where there were sexual scandals with these with these kids, congressmen diddling these kids, and a confirmed diddler who was making payments to avoid being known as a diddler was in charge of that program at the time, and this dude was three heartbeats away from presidency at one point in time. I almost asked you that a minute ago. Do you think if Teddy Kennedy would have ever ran for president, he would have won? Or do you think they would have tried to have killed him? I, I I mean, I kind of looked at it like he probably cut a deal. Like, look, you can't be president. If you do that, we'll kill you. But <laughs> you can be senator even though you killed this broad. Because I remember it always being a thing where uh, on any Kennedy thing I've ever read, listened to, watched, it was a promise he made his mom after Bobby Kennedy was killed. Right. That he wouldn't run for president. I mean that's another that's that one's even easier to, to dissect than JFK the RFK murder. There's far less variables involved. There's far less two Oswalds involved. You know what I mean? I like the uh, the, the what the dude says, uh, Sirhan Sirhan. Well, I mean uh, I don't remember doing it, but I mean I was there with the gun and they said killed him, so I, I guess I did it. Right. And in his shirt pocket was was a newspaper clipping with RFK talking about funding Israel or something like that. So. That was the motive. Right. He was a crazy... He said, got it on me. Crazy Palestinian. I got the motive on yeah. me. Here's the thing. Sirhan Sirhan wasn't... He wasn't Muslim. He wasn't Palestinian. He wasn't... He didn't follow Islam. He was a Christian. They were like, man, his name. Close enough. He's, yeah. He, I think he's Syrian. He, so a lot of Syrians are, but there are Christians there, and he was Christian, apparently. And uh, But there's so many uh, easier va- variables to dissect because he's standing on the wrong side of Kennedy. He's on the run. Well, and there was Kennedy more gets shots. shot from the other side. Yeah, there was more shots than the amount that his yeah. gun handled, like would hold. Oh, uh, I mean, according to witness reports, I believe it was uh, one of the linemen from the Los Angeles Rams at the time 
Maybe he was retired. He wasn't. I think he was a Ram uh, lineman at one point. Rosie Greer, I think, is his name. He tackles. He's a friend of Bobby Kennedy's and was working essentially security, I suppose. Right. Good job, bud. For Kennedy and tackles Sirhan Sirhan. Too late. And apparently, according to eyewitness accounts, after he's tackled, Kennedy is still getting shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, you know that that whole hotel's been destroyed. You can't even go visit that area. They destroyed all that scene. Yeah, I remember that being a thing. I looked up Bobby Kennedy's last words. Do you know how he got to the hotel that night before he got to his last words? Uh, jogged. Nope. He was dropped off there by Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski. Ooh. One year prior, let's see, wait, that was what, yeah, she that was 60. Murdered that would have been uh, 68 in July of 68, I believe, and then Sharon Tate's murdered in August of 69. Polanski, he was just out there diddling away. I mean, yeah, he apparently he likes 13-year-old butthole on Jack Nicholson's couch. Boy. Fucking Jack. I mean, it's everywhere. It's, dude, it is everywhere. It's, it's pretty rampant. Everywhere. And I just don't think people are paying attention. Ted Nugent, for example, had a hit song called Jailbait, where he talks about banging out a 13-year-old. Is it one of those things? And he's, and now everyone, like, I've actually brought this up to folks on the interwebs in various forums, and no one seems to, even Ted Nugent, folks are like, come on, Ted Nugent's not a pedophile. I'm like, no, he literally had parents of teenage girls sign the rights over to him so they could just tour with him and he could bang him out. And he actually sings a song about banging a 13-year-old called Jailbait. But you're going to try to tell me Ted Nugent's not a pedophile. And then Woody, a, Allen, uh, Woody Allen's fans, oh man, they definitely don't want to hear that he's a pedophile. Woody Allen? I, I feel like everyone just knows that, right? Like, I think he's got, but he's got a huge fan base that refused to identify that. Well, that's because they're they're lying to themselves. Wow, well, clearly they they know, they know what's up. That was like uh, in high school, I had a uh, conversation with uh, called Red Old Red. Oh yeah. That I said, she or first she tried to tell me that she read in Rolling Stone. That the lead singer for No Doubt, back then, this is like 96, 97. Right. Well, it used to be a man. I remember that rumor. <laughs> right? And I go, no way. And I tell her that Ellen is gay. Right. And she said no. Not a chance. Right? Which definitely Ellen became gay. Was gay, became gay, How? whatever happens. Well, time has only proven you correct there, my friend. Yeah. So that one, I want. However, I will say, as far as the No Doubt lead singer, possibly not prior, like being a man prior. I remember that rumor, and at the time, I remember saying she didn't read it in Rolling yeah, Stone she did, magazine. She definitely didn't read it in Rolling Stone. <laughs> that was the rumor, though. That was the rumor I that remember, I just remember it from her. Oh, I remember hearing it, and it was one of those things I've discussed as an adult because it amazed me. As I met people from the other coast of the U.S., from California, from Oregon, from Washington State, they had the same rumor out there. And people from in the New Jersey, Massachusetts, they had the same rumor up there. So I wonder yeah, to this day, this is before Peter, the internet. Yeah, I know, this Richard is before Peter the internet, Peter. dude. How does people know that, how does everyone hear the same rumor that Richard Gere used to jam gerbils up his butt? I mean, And the same rumor that Gwen Stefani used to be a man. 
I'm gonna say this. Maybe this is pre interwebs. Try some weird. I'm, butt I, stuff. I, I, I'm almost certain of it. And maybe Gwen Stefani has like a three inch hanger of a clip. I'm a, I, I'm not convinced she didn't used to be a man. I don't understand the rumor. It definitely didn't happen in Rolling Stone. But I'm also as an adult, I remember as a teenager that's preposterous. That's a woman. Clearly, that's a woman. I, as a, I don't think I don't think she used to be a dude. As an I adult, I, I look at it with a more scrutinous eye, and I say, I'm not convinced that is a woman. I I know girls built just like her. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying I'm not convinced that is a woman. But what would convince you? You'd have to see her naked and look and like check it, Doctor. I mean. No, because then they just they can just chop it off, right, and, and make a fake yeah, vagina. But you're gonna be able to tell. Can you? I, I not, think so. I haven't studied enough real and fake well, versus fake vaginas. I, I'm gonna say this. I don't. I've never seen a fake one. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I've never studied the the, the compare and contrast of I've the seen real like, vagina well, versus. Minute, the, I've seen weird fake ones on like dolls that you see. Right, but those that doesn't count. Or the little that like fleshlight thing. That doesn't count. Right. That's yeah, that, obviously. Those are obviously fake. Why is it that the more real stuff like that gets, the creepier it is to me? Yeah, like this is the sex doll robots. That's yeah. creepy. Like those, those are creepy are to me. I'm just saying. I, I Gwen Stefani could be a dude. It could be, but I don't think so. Blake, Sh- how about how about Blake Shelton? Could be a woman. Well, that's a big bitch, then. That's a big bitch. Because he's a big dude. I'm just saying, he's rocking that female-to-male transgender look pretty hard. Non-chiseled bone structure on the face. No sloping forehead, no brow structures. I'm just saying, I've looked at Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton. I find it strange that they're a couple, first of all. Second of all, men on she's got a, even stranger that that's like, their backstory. It's the celebrity version of Listen. the uh, what's the uh, Florence Nightingale effect. <laughs> I I get it, I get it. It's stranger that they were on that show together to me too. Why are those two were picked? The whole the whole. Well, bit. He's been on since season one. That's he's what I'm been saying. The man, has she not been on that long? No, she was only no. on a couple seasons. Him and Adam Levine have been on, I think, every single season from the beginning. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's perhaps my my hatred or my insinuating that Gwen Stefani may in fact be a man, and Blake Shelton may in fact be a woman. I don't care for their music. Maybe that's what it is. And maybe I dislike. No. Maybe I dislike Gavin Rossdale and his band Bush so much. I liked a couple of their songs. Mm. I remember. I'm gonna uh, give you the whole mm, face because that—that's. I don't even know their songs, man. That's pretty bad. Before I realized they were a band, I, I'm not convinced a, they are a band. There was a girl we went to school with when we were going to gym class, mm-hmm. and she had it. It was a uh, like a green army green shirt that said Bush on it. You were like, sign me up for that. Well, I remember thinking <laughs> because of just how old I was at the time and not knowing about that band is like, dang. That's a strange shirt to wear. She's got. She's talking about a, her bush. No doubt. That's funny to me. And then I find out there's a band. I, I think I even told this girl this like through Facebook within the last couple of years. About her bush shirt? Yeah. I See, I don't know if bush... I don't know the backstory of bush, but, I mean, isn't it weird... He's an actor now, too, though. Isn't it weird that the, the band bush became a thing in between the Bush presidencies. 
You know what I mean? Like we had nonstop bush from like '88 through area. 2008. We had nonstop well, bush. The 70s once HW was out, the band came in hot and heavy, and once they kind of faded by the year 2000, we had George W. I mean, it's a great marketing campaign. If you're trying to get more bush in there, let's let's fund a band. Bush we'll name them Bush. And you're thinking, oh, well, it's a UK band. Why would that impact American politics? I'm not a fan of that. I mean, look how big the Beatles are here. You know what I mean? I hate them. I like their, the songs that, that they wrote, but I don't like hearing them sing. Yeah, the more I look at the Beatles, the more they seem like a bunch of talentless ass clowns to me. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the documentary <laughs> known as... Uh, the last will and testament of George Harrison, Paul is dead. Right. Is a hundred percent true. I definitely think Paul died at some point there. He was decapitated. It seems pretty rel- Seems well. It seems pretty obvious at this point in time, considering the whole the whole getup change. There was never a live performance. They After the alleged date that Paul died, look alike contest held on the Ed <laughs> Sullivan show that they never brought the winner out for. That's I mean, there's a lot of those stories. I've never been able to find concrete evidence of any actual look alike show. I know they say there that there is, there was. I know they say that in the Harrison documentary. Yeah. But what I th- what I find most compelling that Paul died is his girlfriend left because when she when he came back to the UK, she's like, "That's not Paul McCartney." And they broke up, or his fiance or whatever. They broke up. There was never another live performance by the Beatles again. Their entire and that's why Paul was always doing something different. Well, their entire look changed. They the had Beatles to t- change their entire look. We're letting everyone know. Well, so the George. new Paul McCartney is deeply connected into the process church of the final judgment. So is Yoko Ono. They're both kind of. Uh, is it Jane Asher? Was that her name? Uh, I don't know. I think it's Jane Asher. I don't remember. I don't think it's... It's definitely not the woman he's with now, obviously. This is the woman that he was first with as becoming the new Paul. Like, her her brother... They call him Fall. Fall. Her brother was deep into the process, Church of the Final Judgment, and it seems like Yoko kind of circled around that same area, which is the offshoot of Scientology that Charles Manson was allegedly one of the leaders of. Well... So there's a lot of that that goes around with the Beatles... There's also a lot of the Tavistock Institute. Are you familiar with the Tavistock Institute? No. They're a social engineering think tank type place in the UK that basically appears to have created the Beatles and the Grateful Dead. Okay. It's uh, if you look at it in kind of like a, in hindsight, as far as what those two bands did to culture, they they succeeded, in my opinion. They had a vast impact on. Changing the culture of millions. Yeah. To this day, I mean, look, look at how that generation rolls around with that same kind of mindset and hip of hippiedom. You know that those two, because after Paul died, that's what the Beatles did. The Beatles with Paul McCartney alive and not Paul McCartney, which you can look at the photographs and see that it's clearly two different people. Yep. I mean, Wired magazine actually ran an article forensically a uh, forensic analysis of photos showing like this is clearly two different look at these ears these are they, clearly two different people there was only certain look at this height taken between a certain time and a certain time because of them doing surgery to make because that's how obvious it was like. 
Well, it's that, it was that obvious. They, the only live performance the Beatles ever did at when Fall was part of the band was on top of a rooftop when the audience was 20 stories below or 10 right. stories below. Which is ridiculous to think that, that that's how the Beatles would end their career. Well, then they, then they started murdering people. <laughs> they were like, uh, Lennon said, I'm about to, I'm letting it out. I can't take it no more. Kill team. That, that, I mean, that would be a good reason to kill him. And then Harrison was like, I'm about to do the same thing. And then a dude, a fan, sneaks into his home. And stabs the shit out yeah. of him. Didn't he get stabbed four or five yeah, times? he almost died, but he, they, they, he didn't uh, die that time. And then that's when he let the uh, recorded the tapes from the hospital. I know that's... Sent them to the uh, head editor of Cream Magazine. Cream Magazine, huh? I don't know if that's the, the magazine, but <laughs> was, it was something like that. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's a like it's a it's a plausible scenario. I'll, I'll give it that much. Oh, uh, it's real, and and uh, it speaks to in my mind. It speaks to when I first read that theory. I remember maybe a decade ago, I was like, "Paul is dead." That sounds ludicrous. And then the more and more I learn about rock bands and social engineering, I'm like, "Wait a second. And how deeply ingrained the military intelligence. And civil for or civilian intelligence, just intelligence agencies in general are involved in the production and manufacturing of rock music. Tavistock Institute being a good they example. And was a part of it in that documentary. And it all made. And I remember watching that documentary when it first came out, and I was thinking, "This sounds crazy." But they again, the more be- and more I learn about rock bands, it only meets the status. It only makes sense. They said the Beatles. It's the same so pattern. Big. That if they would have released that he had gotten into a car wreck and gotten killed, that there would have been mass young girl suicides. <laughs> yeah, but it goes way deeper than that. Because these, these bands, like the Beatles included. Likes people that much. That's just weird to me to think that. Well, it's like, it's a I hypnotic baseball, spell. But if like Ken Griffey Jr. would have gotten to like a, a, an airplane accident when I was a kid, I wouldn't have killed myself. Well, I mean, I'm sure a couple folks killed themselves over Roberto Clemente's early demise, but... That's what I'm kind of getting at, though. These people are built as idols for a society through social engineering to say, like, look, follow these people, do whatever they say type of thing. We see it on the Grammys that are going on last night or whatever. The whole Michelle Obama was out there. The whole thing is rampant with propaganda. Yeah, what was she doing there? Yeah, I'm, I guess she's got a new she's got a new mix it mixtape coming she's out. Album. She's dropping a new album this week. You know, that's where it's kind of gotten to now. You know, obviously that's been the the evolution of what of where where things start out with the Beatles, where they're just trying to impose a certain structure on the current generation of whoever is going to listen to that music and right. follow and follow because it, it affects people young and old. You know what I mean? You're because you, you go to a rock concert, you're like, why is that eighty seven year old dude at this Metallica show? You know what I mean? One example. Right. I've I've witnessed. You know, you go to you go to these shows. It affects folks young and old. But it, the point is, it affects them. You know what I mean? And they and they have emotional reactions to things when band members die or things like that happen. And sometimes I think that's by design. But there's countless examples of the military intelligence, MI6, MI5, CIA, military intelligence, right. et cetera, et cetera, being involved in all of these bands. The Son of the leader of the Tavistock Institute was the Grateful Dead's first manager back when they were the Warlocks. 
And that's what I'm getting. That's my next point is all of these bands, Beatles included, they serve a greater purpose. It's like a almost more of a hidden magical purpose. Ooh, I like that. Well, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band cover includes Aleister Crowley on it. So obviously they're paying some sort of homage to Aleister Crowley. And placing him on their really, album. They were really into the acids and stuff back then? Led Zeppelin, they were also huge Crowleyites. They actually recorded albums in Crowley's home. Uh, Jimmy Page, the lead singer of Led Zeppelin, purchased Aleister Crowley's home on Loch Ness in Scotland. Like, they're huge. That's what I'm saying. Like, these are... I, you can call them cult, I suppose. They I'm follow... This is their religion, if you will. This right. is some sort of... I don't know what the purpose is necessarily, but it's clearly there's some sort of hypnotic almost spell in what they produce, I think. Get money. That's part of it. But I mean if you like like you said, the way folks react if they knew Paul died, obviously those folks are under some sort of lack of control of their own mechanisms, you know what I mean? Right. So if you want to call it a hypnotic spell or you want to call it some sort of other mind control, I tend to believe it's some sort of magic. Which again is precisely what folks like Aleister Crowley claim that they did. He claimed he was a magician. So Meek saying that their production of music that they produce, these people that follow out that are Crowleyites, be it the Beatles, be it Led Zeppelin, be it a number of other acts, the Warlocks, which was the Grateful Dead's band before they were the Grateful Dead. George Harrison, that was the one that was really the one that was the most into that type of stuff as well? I mean, again, that's the public persona, but I mean... When you have the spouses of these guys, be it Yoko Ono, be it Paul McCartney's girlfriend or spouse, they're so deeply ingrained in these these uh, you know occult magical practices or societies. Right. I I don't I, it's hard to tell you know who's who's more into it than the other. You know what I mean? Well, the one Doug girl came back and uh, the girl that he had picked up and given a ride to that night. <laughs> this is the when this is the documentary, right? The doc, the doc series. <laughs> yeah, they said on that, on that when he, when they said Paul died on that, is he picked up a girl when he left. He got into an argument, got in his car and left. Picked up a girl, wrecked. He got decapitated. She lost a leg. I mean, it seems plausible. And then they told her, "Don't mess around. It was the MI6. We'll, we'll kill your whole family." Fast forward, she comes back later and gets a hold of him. Like, hey. Uh, I'm going to need some more money or I'm going to tell everybody everything. So then he marries her again and divorces her and that's what the whole thing was, right? So this is, you're saying the girl in the car accident was Heather Mills? Yes, because it was a younger girl at the time. Was how to say, how old was she in the car accident? Like seven? Yeah, it was, yeah, she was like, it was like, I want to say she was probably like 13, 11. I don't know her exact alleged age, but I feel like that might be a little bit of a stretch. She seems a lot younger, doesn't she? She was younger for sure. But, and the one the lady that he married that was the uh, photographer. Oh, I'm sure. She found out, and that's how they got married. She told him, hey, I'm about to tell everybody. The photographer, yeah. uh, the Kodak, was that Kodak or Eastman? Heather Eastman, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Isn't that who, that's who yeah. we're talking about. Isn't that Heather? Maybe I'm getting the women mixed up. He was definitely married to uh, for the, one of the Kodak Eastman people. Okay. Eastman, I think. Heather Mills was his most, most recent wife. For fall. Right. Well, he's got another one now. Oh, he does? Yeah. Of course. He's Typical. But he made so much money that her... Like, she, they had a prenup. Right. 
and she still got was like, demanding. She was demanding amount of money. Well, she was demanding stuff by saying shit like, "I don't, I'll, you know, I'll open my mouth about a lot of stuff, Paul, and stuff." Like I've seen interviews where yeah. she's she's really spouting off like, "Woo, this lady's got some stuff to spill." And he said, oh, "I'll take three fourths of it because that'll still give me like ninety five million dollars or something." Well, I mean. There's so many mysteries surrounding that whole situation. I mean, that I definitely can see where the George Harrison thing story would be plausible. Again, someone really wanted to kill George Harrison with a knife. They tried to kill him. Real bad. And then uh, he, he knew what was up, so he's going to get that info out. I don't know about the Heather Mills, though. I feel like the age might not make sense, but they can always lie about the age. I mean, let's face it. I think Alex Jones is really Bill Hicks. And he's just lying about his age. Right. I wonder how old that Heather Because Alex Jones claims to be like 45, and he is the oldest-looking 45-year-old in history. Well, that's like uh, the baseball player. What's his name? The uh, used to play first place for the Cardinals. I don't know. Um, he's still, he plays right Albert now. Albert Pujols? Albert Pujols is our age, he says. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he's our age, bro. That's what he says. Right. Was he from Dominican? Where they just they yeah. print they print out they print out your birth certificate when you get signed by a major league baseball team. And they're like Albert, come on in. What how how old do you want to be? He's like, well, I'm uh, forty two, so uh, I guess I will be twenty four. You figure that they would learn English if he, as long as he's been in this country playing baseball, right? I'm just saying, if I was an all star in the Dominican Republic baseball league, I'd learn. I'd learn how to blend in with their their native languages of Spanish. Oh, yeah. It's all goddamn fake, man. It's like Lenin said. You look for the person who will benefit and, uh, uh, you know... I am the walrus. You know, you'll... uh, uh, You know what I'm trying to say. I am the walrus. Uh, Fucking bitch. Oh, yeah. I am the walrus. That's ex- Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The I Lenin. Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. Oh, it's definitely a character, right? I love what when he starts banging on the desk. That's that's my favorite. So, Grizzle, after watching Bill Hicks, maybe Alex Jones video here, I'll put a link in the in the pod description. What do you think? What do you what do you what are your thoughts what are your thoughts here? I mean it's a lot of weird definitely coincidence is if it's not. A lot of strange similarities, right? <laughs> yeah. I find it extremely odd that he would be so willing to make jokes about the subject with Bill Hicks childhood best friend on air on his own show. Why wouldn't he have just been the? Why? Why did he need to act like he died and become a new person though? Well, that's a good question, and it's a question I had in my mind for a while when I first came across this theory. And I look at it much like in the same context as the Beatles or the Grateful Dead, how they're created by these intelligence, social engineering think tanks, or how most of the rock stars that we know from the nineteen sixties quote-unquote hippie movement grew out of Laurel Canyon in Los Angeles, not Monterey Bay, Summer of Love, San Francisco, you know, hate Nashbury, right? right? They really grew out of Los Angeles, including the Grateful Dead, who were known as the Warlocks, right? Uh, Jim Morrison, whose father was a four-star admiral 
in the U.S. Navy who got the Vietnam War kicked off. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? There's a lot of those kind of connections within all of the well-known musical artists of not just the 1960s, but the current day, too. In fact, MTV was essentially started by one family as far as all the, the on-air programming and the bands that were scheduled from the 1980s through 1980 through about 1986 or 87, probably, I think. All the bands that were introduced on MTV were managed by one family. The guy who ran the show on MTV introducing these bands was the brother. You know, his brother ran the booking agency, one ran the management, one produced the show, one of the two of those did. The other one was the drummer for the band The Police was Sting. Stuart Copeland is the drummer for, for The Police. Oh, yeah? His brother ran the... Uh, I forget the booking agency's name, something Booking International, which the acronym he called it was the FBI. And then the other brother ran uh, Copeland Management, I believe it was, or some Copeland International Agency or something like that, right. which was a management agency for all these acts, all these musical acts. Uh, I mean, every, you name it, from the 1980s on MTV, they all work for the Copelands. Okay. Man, you know, booking and management all went through the Copeland family. And, again, the whatever Copeland's son I can't think of, or brother, was the one that, that hosted the MTV show that introduced these acts. Right? David Copeland. <laughs> Could be. So, all, literally, this whole band basically generated, like, you name it from, like, the R.E.M. is one of the most prominent ones because then that carries over into the grunge scene because R.E.M. kicks off the grunge scene. Pearl Jam? Pearl Jam is a product, oh, no. essentially, of this program. I love Pearl Jam. So the Copelands were all the sons of a CIA bigwig. What's Eddie Vedder got to do with it? Uh, well, Eddie Vedder doesn't have a lot to do with it, Thank perhaps, God. other than pushing a message that's dictated by the people that write his paychecks. Uh, well, his message was... Uh... Well, I mean, they get very Pearl Jam gets extremely political, you know. Yeah. They're, it's obviously progressed. I mean, the bands back then in the 1960s, I think they had, they had a political message a lot of times, especially on public appearances on TV. The Beatles, nonetheless, they, they were the same way. When you fast forward to the 1990s, it's the same program, in my opinion. And there's, you know, you can draw lines through, the, the again, the people who structured these music scenes uh, to military intelligence, not just the Copeland family, but obviously that's a big part of it because they, they played a very vital role. I mean, Pearl Jam got very involved in a number of different political movements and outlets, but it got real bad if you remember in the film Black Sheep by Chris Farley and mm -hmm. David Spade that we were talking about earlier. And if you remember, the purpose of that was really pushing the Rock the Vote message of MTV. Yeah, yeah. MTV had Rock the Vote, and that, that, was, a really, that was a subplot in that movie. Because they had one of the original grunge bands, Mudhoney. Mudhoney was on the scene very early with the early members of Pearl Jam, Mookie Blaylocks. Those were some of the early big acts in grunge. And they were in that movie doing the whole rock the vote thing. Well, I mean, so that whole kind of scene was involved in that almost, you know. I mean, it, and it got to the point in 2004 where Dave Grohl went on tour promoting John Kerry. The, that was the purpose of his musical tour. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, that, that's how aggressive it got from making a few public appearances and statements, be it the Beatles, be it Jim Morrison, 30 years later doing the Rock the Vote through 
Hollywood films through MTV again. And then even past that, they're just like, fuck it. We're just going to go on tour, guys, and we're going to promote this po- politician. You know, and I don't think maybe Dave Grohl's a big John Kerry fan, but something tells me whoever's writing his paychecks, we're like, hey, buddy, you need to go do this. He's like, all right. But, you know, so when it comes to people like Bill Hicks, could be, you know, may in fact be Alex Jones, it's not a surprise to me. I mean, if, it's, if folks are generating these bands made it comprised of people that aren't necessarily the top musicians, but are the sons and daughters of these specific individuals, they can later be tailored to use to push whatever message to the, you know, the mainstream society or, you know, whatever sect of society. Cause you know, obviously grunge isn't very mainstream, you know what I mean? Right. But it was the counterculture. Grunge was the counterculture of the nineties. Like the hippies, you know, movement situation was the counterculture of the 1960s. So there's a lot of those similarities. So if you're, if you're going to push a message, I mean, and you want to control the opposition and Alex Jones, long before I felt that Bill Hicks could likely be Alex Jones, I already didn't like Alex Jones. He already seemed like <laughs> he already seemed like the crazy asshole that the establishment would roll out when they wanted to be like, look, conspiracy theorists are crazy. Listen to this guy. One of the first videos I ever saw of him was him uh, getting chased in a he was in a car getting chased by away from some place where the Bilderbergs were meeting, and he had chased, he had tracked him down, he had got inside info, and he was filming them, and all of a sudden, they was getting chased by him. Nice. Sounds pretty wild. I mean, I'm not familiar with the video, and I, I mean, while the Bilderberger situation is, you know, obviously a bit odd that we have these world leaders meeting in yeah. secret, and the Bilderberg is not even the name of their organization. We don't know the name of their organization. That just happens to be the name of the hotel they first met. Yeah, that they first met. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't know anything about this organization. We just kind of pretend to now. And Hillary Clinton has spoken at this organization in recent years. Oh, pretty much. If you're if you're a president or any of those type of things, you're 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 there. You're that, I mean, I, I mean, I think without until the current president, yeah, because you look at. Donald Trump's past, he's not Bilderberger, he's not Trilateral Commission, he's not Council on Foreign Relations. He's now, a bit. I don't think he, I don't, I don't think, no, it's all the people in the Council on Foreign Relations, the people talking shit about him every day, like the George Clooney's, the Dan Rathers, George Clooney. the, uh, the Clintons, the Clintons are CFR, obviously, the Obamas. Anybody's like, oh my gosh, wait. What did Clooney have to say about Well, but it goes back to what you were saying before, that if MI6 had released that Paul McCartney had died, then there would be a fucking riot on the hands. Anybody killing themselves over George Clooney? I don't know about that, man. There are some huge George Clooney fans. I'm going to make a reference. A couple trailer park people in Maysville (laughs) killing themselves. I'm going to make a reference there. You're going to understand, because you're a fan of country music. I like country. Daryl Worley. Daryl Worley, that uh, I miss my friend. Don't even know the song. Couldn't even tell you the, that song, but you know a song by him. Yeah. He's not a very popular he did artist. Nine Eleven song too, I think. He's not a very popular artist, right? Right. But you would you expect there to be a herd of people that follow this man around the country? Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so picture that, but on a George Clooney like scale. Yeah, but I don't think anybody's killing themselves over... Oh, I know a lady that would kill herself over Daryl Worley. Daryl Worley? 
That's weird. She goes to every Daryl Worley concert. I mean, Garth Brooks sees some people. I'm just saying. Garth Brooks. Yeah, I'm just saying. So that you're what you're what you're recognizing is much like Paul McCartney. Daryl Worley. That's like saying somebody would kill themselves over uh, Eve Six. <laughs> well, I assure you, there's an Eve Six super fan out there that was is plotting their suicide <clears throat> over the fact that Eve Six has not reunited well, as a band yet. <laughs> that's Daryl Worley's. Uh, I'm telling, but that's what I'm saying. That's my point. Daryl Worley is not a big act, right? That's my point. Is he's not a big act? And you, you look at a George Clooney, and you're thinking, yeah, people are gonna definitely do that. I don't know, man. George Clooney. He, but what's the last thing he's been in that was good? Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. They they, they gave him that space movie a few years ago, Gravity. Gravity. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see it, but. I it looks way it. more realistic than anything NASA produces. They said, uh, who was it? Um, but that's my point, dude. Like, he's out there pushing a message, though. You know what I mean? Neil deGrasse Tyson got on uh, his show and showed, like, and went over everything that was scientifically wrong with the movie Gravity. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson needs to go find his sweatpants and get back to that planetarium they found him at. He was like a uh, top state high school wrestler. From like the Bronx or something. Was he? Yeah. I mean, he's a pretty big guy. I could, I could see it. I could see where he'd be an athlete. And uh, now he's got a pretty cool podcast. Does he? Where he gets uh, comedians come in and they have talks about like uh, science shit. I think most of his work is a joke, so that makes sense. Yeah, he gets science stuff. <laughs> like to go with the comedians. It's pretty good. I just don't care for that guy. He just seems like I mean, even if I even if I had any agreement with what he's saying most of the time, he, the his delivery and persona is he's just such a dick. He's a weird dude for sure, but I think we got to also realize he's. Then they found him wearing sweatpants in a planetarium somewhere, nerd. And they're like, "Hey, Neil, do you want a better job than this?" He did a bunch of other big stuff first. I remember seeing that. And he worked in the planetarium before he he became a current celebrity. What was his? Uh, what school did he go to? Uh, MIT was it MIT? I don't think so. Is he an MIT trained scientist? Let's check it. Out. I thought it was one of the New York schools, like NYU or something like that. Howard. That's probably Pennsylvania. Howard's in DC. <laughs> it could be. It's an all black school. I mean, it's a that's a good school. I mean, they have uh, I don't know science or. Astrophysics is one of their prominent programs, but they do have some programs of note there. But back to Bill Hicks and Alex Jones, though. Here, what do you? I mean, I, that's what I, I mean. That's what, if you're asking what what's the purpose, I would say that's the purpose is to to generate a message. I mean, right now, look at the feud between Alex Jones and Joe Rogan. Liter, literally, same. Literally, two people from the same production company, right? It almost smells like a WWE style feud to me too. I've watched it. It's, it's funny. I've been, I haven't watched. It I've been yet. cracking up. I've been I've cracking up stuff, but I haven't watched any. Oh, dude, Alex Jones has gone off the rails on the subject. It's fantastic, and Joe Rogan's handling it with just like with kid gloves. He's not. He's not. He's not throwing jabs. He's not saying names. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's almost. It's almost a script. Like he's he's comically kind of dealing with what Alex is saying while Alex continues to get crazier. And he doesn't, what I don't like lately with Joe Rogan is anytime I see Eddie Bravo on there, he doesn't let Eddie Bravo get off. No, he's not like into he it. Like he used to anymore. Like he'll stop him. 
Yeah, he's limited. And to he acts like stuff's not allowed. Like certain things are just well. I mean, look not at who's touchable. Look at. I mean, the interwebs were a rage because Joe uh, Joe Rogan didn't ask Twitter's Jack Dorsey, owner yeah. and CEO of Twitter, why he banned Alex Jones and didn't give him a good enough answer. Didn't really press him on the subject. Well, and then it goes. And Alex Jones lost his mind because Jack Dorsey, according to Alex Jones. Pays Joe Rogan three hundred thousand dollars a month for advertising. All right. So that could provide a motivation to not ask those type of things or to toe a different line other than something factual. All right. Which is mainly what Alex Jones continues to lob in this feud towards Joe Rogan that he sold out for Satan or the demons or the <laughs> inter, inter, interdimensional demons. Well, I got the papers. They're interdimensional and they are demons. You're a fucking crazy person. Nah, he doesn't. I don't know. And Joe Rogan just right, but he is a crazy person, right? He just like had Alex, some girl on there that uh, has called somebody a toady. I don't know what that is. Uh, and it was a big thing talking about she. She started talking all this shit. She had nothing to back it up, and Joe Rogan didn't know what a toady was either. And they they ended up having to look it up. And then the girl was wrong about it. Well, that's what I'm saying. So he does press people on some subjects, but just wouldn't press. Twitter on why they're banning Alex Jones or anybody right. else. But, you know, but to the feud's perspective, like, it works great that way. Tulsi Gabbard? Oh, okay. She's a big, she's a big dim favorite. She's a she, congresswoman out of California. She called um, a New York Times columnist, Barry. Or let's see what her name is. Barry Satora? Barry, no. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Weiss? Okay. Called Hawaii representative and prospective Democratic Party presidential candidate. That seems a bit hopeful. Tulsi but... Gabbard and Assad Toady. Mm. But when That's... challenged on it, she couldn't define the term or even spell it, much less substantiate the accusation. I'm assuming it means supporter of, of somebody. Lackey, maybe. Uh, they said what it was. Monstrous idea. She's an Assad Toady. Uh, they said it's like something else. But yeah, she spells it wrong. Oh, a sycophant. Hey, okay. That's what they said. It was a sycophant. And then I go, what's a sycophant? Basically a yes man. All right. So they said she's an Assad sycophant. Yeah, whatever Assad says she's believing is what is what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, dude, it goes back to them. everyone's trying to start a war with Syria. And suddenly Donald Trump's like, hey, guys, let's not do all these wars. And they're like... And all suddenly, all these people are, who usually are, pretend to be anti-war, most of the Democratic Party are, are all—they're all like, "Let's go, let's go have a war." But this lady hasn't been saying that, right? Tulsi Gabbard's like, she's agreeing with Trump, like, "Let's pull out of Syria, let's pull out of Afghanistan." The usual talking points for the old Democratic Party, right? Right. But the new Democratic Party are like, "You guys are out of here. We're gonna go to war in Syria. Go fuck yourselves." Trying to get that dough. Yeah, so that's why the New York Times is printing articles. And this is my opinion, obviously, but from my perspective, but that's why the New York Times is saying that she's a puppet of Assad is what they're really getting at. Just like Trump is a pu- puppet of Putin. You know what I mean? Same difference. But yeah, but, that was funny. He just, Joe Rogan, he'll have anybody on too. He don't care one side or the other. I don't know, but I see that's part of the feud, though. He's been saying he's not going to have Alex Jones back on because he's no. been saying all the stuff about Sandy Hook victims. Yeah. He acts like that's not touchable. 
Well, here's the thing. What he doesn't discuss is lawsuits these same alleged Sandy Hook victims have filed against some of the same parties that are in the same lawsuit as Alex Jones. They've been resued, but here's the thing. They've already lost suits versus this other party. When I say they've lost, they avoided going, one dude avoided going to sue the guy, refused to come to all hearings. The attorneys that they sent to these hearings, I watched the videos of the hearings. The, the, it's, the attorneys are, are morons. I mean, like, the stuff they're filing, like, one day they're trying to get the cameras out of the court, and the judge is just like, this is a public hearing. They're allowed to be here. Right. And they're like, well, we don't like it. And they continue to argue about it. Like, these are the things that they would argue we about. We don't like it. Yeah. Well, it's not fair. It's not fair to film this, because it's all a charade. Because right. when the judge, they fought for months for this the plaintiff to not come into a video deposition, and the defendant's like, Florida law says I'm entitled to a video deposition. And the judge is like, he's right. You guys, then the attorneys didn't show up for the next hearing. And then they showed up for the following hearing. And then they're like, oh, well, we withdraw the case instead of coming in for this video deposition we're supposed to be at today. <laughs> so they waited till the 11th hour, withdrew the case instead of showing up for the deposition. So And then, and then this dude refiles a suit against Alex Jones and a few other of the alleged victims join in on that suit. And then also this Wolfgang Halbig guy is party, because he'd been interviewed on the Alex Jones show before, he's party to some of those same suits. But he's already prevailed in the suit in Florida, which I don't understand how they're trying to pretend. Here's the other thing. Everyone's trying to pretend like, even if Alex Jones did say that, these people are public figures. They've made themselves public figures, not Alex Jones. They went on book tours. They went on speaking campaigns. They qualify as "quote unquote" public figures in any lawsuit. Right. So Alex Jones is therefore entitled to say whatever the fuck he wants to say under the First Amendment, unless he is doing it maliciously. And you can do it like and to prove for satire. Yeah, and to prove the malicious intent at this point, it would be they would never prevail in a legitimate court proving malicious intent on the matter. Because again, these people are public figures. Again. They're out there, the, the, the plaintiffs in the suits against Alex Jones, I guarantee you are out there right now taking tens of thousands of dollars for speaking engagements. They're doing book tours. They're doing interviews on TV and radio all across the U.S. It's a propaganda campaign, in my opinion, against guns, and these people were weaponized. And that's essentially what Alex Jones said. That's essentially what got him in trouble for saying that these people were weaponized to be anti-gun camp uh, propaganda artists across the entire U.S. and he po- well, he makes some good points. He doesn't. Su- that, uh, what was the mother teenagers? Was it that Parkland? Yeah. It's the same difference, and that's just the next evolution of that. And then that, and then the main two that they kept showing, the little gay dude and the little <laughs> lesbian girl. Man, right. they were they fucking couldn't stand listening to them talk. And here's the thing: they weren't even victims. They didn't survive. They weren't. They were. They called themselves victims and survivors. The old boy wasn't even in the school by his own admission. He was just like, but I'm. I'm the voice. He well by his own admission, he wasn't in the school. But then later, when people are trying to compare the video he allegedly recorded, where he states a different time than the shooting was supposedly occurring, right? He's allegedly filming a video during a shooting in the morning, right? The, the shooting allegedly happened at two thirty. And then he's talking about later hearing about the shooting and then riding his bike to the school. None of his story, if you put it under any scrutiny, makes any sense. You also couldn't talk about that guy on the interwebs for a while. Maybe you can now. But like YouTube, Twitter, everyone, 
Facebook, you mentioned his name in the negative light, you were shut down. Really? Yep. But, I mean, that's, uh, so you had the, the alleged San Diego victims' families. The next evolution of that is the Parkland, quote-unquote, victims that were put on the same campaign. Now, they didn't get on Air Force One. They didn't give an address from the Oval Office. However, it's the same situation. Right. Because now there are San Diego families that did that. They, they flew on Air Force One to do anti-gun campaigns in different cities. This mm-hmm. taxpayer-funded, I mean... That, that in and of itself should be drawing a lot of people's questions, like, well, why are we doing that, yeah. regardless if it was a real thing or not. But the fact that the, the, the alleged parents of one of the alleged victims gave a, the weekly address, Barack Obama gave a weekly Sunday address out of the Oval Office on the interwebs every Sunday. The only time he didn't do it was when this, this parents did it, right? Well, the parents are actors. <laughs> At no point in time did they address that in the, in the thing, like... They, by, by trade, are indeed, you know, SAG, you know, Screen Actors Guild, card-carrying actors. They're not, they're not actors in a local playhouse. They've done <laughs> actual credited right. things. And they don't, they don't address themselves like, this is my husband. You know, we're both actually, because she does most of the talking. Because she's, and I, that's important, because right. she's also the former former uh, assistant to the finance chair of the Democratic National Committee. They also don't mention that in their address uh, from the Oval Office about guns. She should have started the conversation with, back when I was the assistant to the finance chair of Hillary Clinton's best friend, right. my son was killed, but hey, I'm also an IMDB actress. IMDB. And, we, and collectively, my husband, who's also an IMDB actor, he also hates guns, and I hate guns. That's how she should have started the conversation. But instead, she starts it, hi, my name's Francine Wheeler, and this is my husband, David Wheeler. Now, a number of people claim that David Wheeler played multiple roles the day of the Sandy Hook, quote-unquote, shooting. I like to call it the Sandy Hook filming. Was he the filming. man, too? He was the sniper. Slop, they call him Sloppy Sniper. He's walking around there in different photographs. And I, it does bear a striking resemblance to, to him. Now, the guy that's supposedly the sloppy sniper in the photographs and videos is this FBI agent. Now, he's a plaintiff on that same lawsuit against Alex Jones. Now, the FBI agent they claim it is, it doesn't look anything like him. There's actually photographs of that guy at the scene. Not the same guy. Not him. They're wearing two different... Yeah, so... You know, there's a lot of, I have a lot of questions about Alex Jones in general, and I really think he just fills that purpose, like when he does episodes of The View and then sits down and yells at old women, (laughs) you know, that's not productive. I feel like sometimes he's just not yelling at people, though. He's more just, he's just a yeller. Yeah, it's not really directed. It's just constantly yelling. So when he gets sued like this and he has the ability to be like, well, to file motions being like, well, hey, wait a second. This is a frivolous lawsuit. This same plaintiff filed the same frivolous, frivolous lawsuit in Florida and then withdrew it when forced for a video deposition and also fight for an argument on, on First Amendment rights. He's not doing either one of those things, really. And his attorney is a questionable character altogether. I will say that. So in my mind, he, he does, he fills this role of like a controlled opposition character and he's just directing this Sandy Hook narrative in the way that they want it to be. They need a bad guy. You need an Iron Sheik, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 
for your hacksaw Jim Dugans. Yeah, you gotta have the uh, the good guy, the aren't, bad guy. Aren't those the two that got caught doing coke together in the back of a van in Cleveland? Was that what who it was? Wasn't it hacksaw Jim Dugan oh, and, and the Iron Sheik? And the whole world changed for wrestling fans. Like, wait a second, they're supposed to hate each other. Those guys are sworn enemies. How dare they do coke together in the back of a van in a mall parking lot in East Cleveland, Ohio? There was a, a story about. Iron Sheik clotheslining some girl in the hotel room. Oh, I heard about that. That sounded pretty pretty violent. And then she came and hid Marty Jannetty of the Rockers, the old teammate of Shawn Michaels' uh, room. And he said, what happened? He goes, she doesn't know how to take a hit. <laughs> he said the cops came and were looking for him and all this other stuff. He's had a couple of those, hasn't he, the Sheik? Oh, yeah, he, he's apparently a crazy-ass dude and just a madman. I mean, is it a surprise? To any, like, super strong. When people get surprised by that, I'm like, you're telling me you're surprised that the steroid-filled athlete went crazy and beat up some people. Well, it's like the Chris Benoit thing. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, he was a classic example of that. That dude was super roided out. Super roided out. Uh, apparently a crazy, really great guy. And then one night, all of a sudden, in a rage, kick. Kills his family and then himself. Well, I guess he had quite an opioid addiction, if I yeah. remember correctly. Which is, uh, I'm sure, what trouble, which opioid, that's that's heroin. You but know they what I mean? said his brain, too, was that of like a 70-year-old man. Yeah, I mean, I believe it. All the all those Same injuries. Man. Well, isn't that why they just banned Bob Costas from the Super Bowl? Because he was going to talk shit about, he was talking shit about concussions in the NFL. Oh, was he? And they're like, listen here, Bob. We don't like your style. We know you do the sports casting, but not this year, bud. Next time. Shut your mouth about the CTE. Oh, they don't like that. Well, you see, they got a, a new football league. <laughs> well. It's, a, it's supposed to be like a D-league type thing, like yeah. a fundamental league. No, I read about it this morning. But yeah. how is it a fundamental league when you're teaching completely different fundamentals from what the NFL are wanting? How is it a fundamental about? league when you're signing like people like Trent Richardson, who hasn't been on an NFL roster in five years? Yeah, did you see that dude get sacked? Uh, I saw him play like he did for the Browns. No, I meant the one dude, the the quarterback, got sacked for some team. Oh, no, I didn't see that. And uh, I saw the Trent Richardson highlights of him running into... Like, there'd be, like, a gaping hole in the line, and he's running into the tackles. Uh, no, yeah, there are no, like, uh, player unaware or whatever that stuff is in that. Well, somebody they signed from that league, uh, the Redskins signed a quarterback from that league. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Johnson, their quarterback mm-hmm. that they had to sign after old boy broke his leg. And then they they him. attempted to field Mark Butt Fumble Sanchez What's back again. Supposed to be a. Uh, they signed a guy from that league. They're like, hey, uh, league, but yeah, but Josh Johnson had already failed in the NFL for like three or four different teams, including the Bengals. Right. If you can't make it on a Bengals roster, you got problems. Well, that's it. That's the show here, folks. So the next time you're out on the town, visiting your local watering holes, or perhaps just meandering around. And you hear the unmistakable sounds of metal clanking. And you spot signs of a disturbance. Well, check your six. Look in that garbage can, because you never can tell. The GCDs may be loose in your town.